And welcome back to another episode of SOS in Oz. I'm Chido and I'm still not in Melbourne. Yep, you're calling in from Zimbabwe. How is Zimbabwe? It's good. Food is popping and the weather is hop in. <laughs> yeah, okay, don't become a rapper. But anyway, I'm Christine and in our hot topics today... Uh, we've got some news on Serena Williams, as well as an American rapper who's practicing witchcraft. Also, stick around for our topic discussion, online relationships, and a minority spotlight interview with the author of Life Through the Disability Lens blog. So love is in the air and apparently on Thursday the 29th of December news broke that the 30 year old tech guru Alex O'Hanian who is the Rita co-founder got engaged to Serena Williams so this is what I found on yahoo.com so that's really exciting congratulations Serena Williams um, yeah I was super surprised were you surprised? Yeah, I was really surprised. I didn't know that she was dating someone. In fact, I feel like in the last couple of years, maybe she's kind of talked about being single. So I was mm -hmm. very confused about that. But presumably they've been together since 2015. So that's a while. I know, like, because I'm pretty sure we saw the pictures of Drake sometime this year. But maybe he was just like a decoy or something. Isn't that <laughs> weird? Like Drake the decoy. Well, I mean, S Serena and Drake are friends. So I don't think it's weird to go for dinner with your friend. You know what I mean? No, people thought they were dating. Well, I, I guess the assumption was they were dating. Yeah, the assumption was. But you know how the media just makes things into something when there really isn't anything? Yeah, well, I guess that was the case. So, yeah. But yeah, that, that's some good news. Mm-hmm. She can do that uh, 7-Eleven thing. What 7-Eleven thing? You know, she did the Beyonce 7-Eleven dance thing with the tennis racket. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, well, more power to you, girl. <laughs> okay, I don't see the relevance for 7-Eleven <laughs> with this story. But yeah, I mean, I think... Any time is a good time to do a Beyonce dance. <laughs> so anyway, on to more, hmm, some would say sinister news. So the American rapper Azealia Banks, who some people might not be familiar with, um, but she's quite the controversial character because she says a lot of things that upset people. Um, but this time in recent days, she posted a video on her Instagram account, um, basically showing what her what she calls witch cave looks like, which is a room in her apartment or house, whatever dwelling, where she does um, animal sacrifices, practicing a religion or witchcraft called Brujeria. And yeah, so some people are quite disturbed by having seen footage of this room where she kills chickens or sacrifices chickens. 
uh, for her spiritual beliefs. Yeah, so Chiro, did you see any of the pictures? Yeah, I think I saw, like, yeah, it was, I don't know if it was just for show or if it was legit because Anna was having a conversation with someone and they were like, oh, real witches wouldn't expose themselves like that. Where this person gets their information, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know if it's just like a publicity stunt or if she's being serious about it, but coming from a country which has got like, you know, witchcraft and, well, not in the culture, but, you know, you hear about it. It's kind of like, mm, I'm not sure if I want to get involved with her. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think it was a publicity stunt because really, if you looked at the pictures, it was like, you know, the blood was black on the floor. There were feathers yeah, like, everywhere. It, it was like splattered on the wall. Uh, no, there's no special effect like that. That looked legit. And she said, I think a year ago, she admitted that she is a witch. And I don't, like, my concern, the thing that stood out to me is like, it's so dirty. Like, I don't understand why she can't just like lay some plastic down when she's doing her animal sacrifices <laughs> or whatever, because it's just, it, to me, it maybe looked unnecessary. It has to go on the whole. I don't know. Maybe this, uh, well, you don't know the ritual. So yeah, I, I don't know the don't ritual, know. but it, it just looked unnecessary. And I was just like, she's definitely not getting her deposit back because <laughs> that room. <laughs> Is just I'm sure she can afford first. to buy it. I don't know. She's not. Her career is not popping exactly. So I don't know. Maybe she owns that place. But I'm just like, I would hate to live next door to her. You know, because I'm sure like there's like a smell, a funny smell that comes from that. Because it just, it did not look normal. It did not look normal. But anyway, this video has sparked a rather interesting conversation about witchcraft or spirit religions and whether these beliefs are devilish or evil. And it actually made me think about an anthropology class that I took in college about magic, witchcraft, not to learn how to <laughs> do witchcraft <laughs> or anything, but um, uh -huh. just understanding the anthropological roots of some of these um belief systems and that and yeah one of my uh, professors well the professor of that class asked a rather interesting question he he said so how different are some of these forms of um spirit religions or whatever from more mainstream religions so what people are trying to do with these animal sacrifices or whatever is to compel the supernatural to act in your favor basically and he he asked the question, how is that any different from praying to God, let's say, in Christianity? Because you're trying to petition God to do something in your favor. I think it, it depends on the type of spirit you're trying to summon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, so traditionally in witchcraft, you're like, well, 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 the perception is you are summoning, like, an evil spirit, like one that's not exactly good compared to, like, in other religions where, like, you know, the person or whatever you're trying to summon is supposed to be good and not harmful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But what I think is happening is people are blurring the lines between witchcraft and, like, just traditional healing medicine, which, of course, like, in our culture, you get people who just are knowledgeable about herbs and stuff, and people just kind of, like, lumping that into, like, witchcraft, which 
from my perspective, from my culture, I'm not speaking about everyone else. Like, that's a whole different dimension. It's not the same. Mm. Well, actually, like, the term, as I learned from anthropology class, like, witchcraft itself, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. Because, like you said, you can summon good spirits and bad spirits. So they say they are, like, you know, good witches and bad witches. What is bad is black magic. Now, we don't know if Azealia Banks is practicing black magic. You know, and that's the type of magic that I have an issue with. Yeah, people need to be making clear distinctions about what the person is doing. And it's just like people just putting all these things in overarching terms. I'm like, no, that is not correct. Like, separate it out. Yeah, but witchcraft is, it's interesting because like in the Western world, we don't really hear too much about it. Oh, you do these days. It depends on which circles you hang out in. Yeah, but it it is picking up popularity, like even with the Euro witchcraft, like Wiccan, that's also becoming very popular. What, like tarot cards? Uh, not, not exactly, but I think Wiccan religion or practice, whatever, it's like a pagan religion, I suppose, um, is about summoning spirits that will give you magical powers or something? I don't know. Don't quote me. I'm not an expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> but I I guess like what I'm trying to drive at is that it's something that is real. Like people do practice witchcraft. Some people do practice black magic and it sometimes does have very negative repercussions like we saw. Just, why does it always have to be called black magic? Just black magic. <laughs> black, it's, it's not fair. <laughs> I know, yeah. Why can't they just call it evil magic? Why do they have to associate black? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. A color. Mm -hmm. right. But anyway, yeah, no, like in Tanzania, I think uh, people with albinism were being hunted for their limbs for yeah, some of these you rituals. See, that was another another thing that I was like, well, we don't actually know what entails because if you are growing up in Africa and you're hearing about witchcraft, you're hearing about like murder of people with albinism, you're hearing about like rape of men to get their sperm. So like, yeah, it's it's a very broad thing that you can't just be like, oh, yeah, this is what it stands for because it's not as easy as it seems. Yeah, religion is tricky. It's a very sensitive topic, but I think... Um, it's good that she's gotten people talking about it. It's a shame that like no one's really talking about her music. If she's trying to like ha have the spirits help her with her career, like I think she needs well, to step I mean, it up or like, something. Maybe it was a publicity stunt because it's got all this all this like commotion. People now who's this Elia Banks? People now looking her up. So no, but people not looking her up for her music. No, people might. People might. I don't think so because she's yeah, been. Yeah, they might be like, "Oh, what did she actually say?" She's been saying some controversial stuff and doing controversial stuff for a while now, and I don't think it's done anything for her career. So I think this has done it for her career, though. I don't know. We'll see. I think that she is someone who sincerely practices whatever brujeria. Just looking at like some of the interviews I saw of her speaking about it, I think she's like really deep into it. Like I don't think it's like something that she's just doing for show. But we will see what comes of it in due course, I suppose. I suppose, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna take a break, and then uh, we're gonna get into our topic. It's topic time. 
And today we are talking about online relationships. So, Chiro, do you know how many Facebook friends you have? Yep, I think I have almost like 2,000. Whoa. I think you need to go through that and, <laughs> and do some spring cleaning. No one can have 2,000 friends. I try. I try to do spring cleaning on people's birthdays, but sometimes I'm just too lazy. And I always <laughs> end up meeting more people and then they end up being my friends. So it just ends up being a net balance. Okay. You know, that's interesting that you call them your actual friends. Now, do you feel um, that your friends... Facebook friends. Okay. Facebook <laughs> friends. Yeah. Okay, because there was an article that I was reading on The Atlantic called Online Relationships Are Real. And basically, uh, one of the professors that the author interviewed, uh, Paul J. Zak, professor of neuroeconomics at the Claremont Graduate University, um, he looked at online relationships versus in real life relationships. And what he said was, this is a quote, it's as if the brain doesn't really differentiate between you posting on social media and you being there in person. We're such hyper-social creatures that we have a large release of dopamine when we are with other people, but we can also get that release through Twitter or any social media, really. So what do you think? Oh, it's interesting to say that because like, I was reading a couple of other articles on the internet. You kind of need the physical relationship or well, I mean physical contact to actually get those brain chemicals going, so releasing endorphins and all those feelings of closeness. Do you really? Because that is what this professor studied, and he said that when he was measuring the levels of dopamine and oxytocin in people, uh, when they would send a message to a friend online versus in real life, it was almost the same. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a little bit tricky. I mean, I guess it would be like, I know, maybe we need a repeat study to show the same things. Well, I mean, the, the things I was reading were more to do with like endorphins and feeling feelings of being relaxed. And that comes more from like physical contact. So like oxytocin and dopamine, I know it's probably more to do with bonding. But yeah, I don't know if like, you know, if you're getting a friend, a message from a friend and you're getting like happy and feeling bonded and you're feeling relaxed or if you're feeling more stressed? Mm. Well, I'm sort of on the fence with this one because I do have two really good friends who I maintain a long distance relationship with. Yeah, like me. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about you, but... <laughs> oh. Well, you live in Melbourne most of the time. <laughs> Before I didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, people in the diaspora when you're away from your family, but also, like, with two of my really good friends, one in the U.S. and one who lives in Perth, especially the, the one who lives in Perth. Like, we've been friends since we were 14, and we've managed to stay friends most of that time we were long-distance friends. So, I kind of get it. I mean, I guess it also depends on, like, the previous bond you've had with that person. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a lot easier to maintain a pre-existing in real life relationship online than it is to build a completely new relationship online. Uh, I don't know, because I like to think that some of my just basically online friends are more like friendly with 
me than some of my real life friends. So I know it's interesting because like sometimes I have a more in-depth online conversation than I would like in real life with people. Because I think sometimes like online you kind of feel like you can say what you'd really like to say without like you know getting that emotive response of judgment or whatever that you get from like a real life conversation with someone. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because the article that you sent me in Psychology Today was actually talking about how for young people growing up and learning about social cues in real life situations that they might be deprived of learning how to read emotions. You know what? You know what I say to that? What do you say? I say, well, what do you think emojis are for? That's why we've got the emojis now. They add inflection. They come in different colors now so they can represent you more accurately. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many different emojis now. And also the GIFs. Hello. Those are a dream. <laughs> Sometimes they emote even better than I would in real life. Yeah. But from my own personal experience with online dating in particular, like I basically just had to quit online dating because it was so exhausting trying to get to know someone online without having an environment, you know, to kind of help facilitate the getting to know each other. You know what I mean? Because it just felt a lot more like an interview via text messages or via email. So I didn't like that. I know. I think I think you know, like, cause like, cause you're limited to like, um, what's it called, uh, interactions via messages that might be a bit of a problem. But you see, like, on Facebook, and I'm not like being sponsored by Facebook or anything, but you've got this whole <laughs> like dynamic thing where you can tag your friends and share memes. So you can do a lot of sharing of information, not just like kind of one-way interviewee, interviewer-type question. So, um, and especially, I think, like, tagging people in things has become quite a big part of, like, at least my online relationships. Like, my friend um, recently tagged me in a meme that said, like, if you're tagging someone in a meme one to two times a week, that means you're good friends. But if you're tagging in someone something five plus times a day, it means you ride together and die together. So. <laughs> uh, that must be something for like the, the very young people. But these are friends that you have pre-existing relationships with in real life. Have you ever built a relationship from scratch from online? I think so. I think I've met like I think I met like two people once in real life. I only had like maybe a ten minute conversation with them, and then we kind of just talked online for like a really long time. Okay, but you met them first in real life. Yeah, but it wasn't like like a meeting. Like a get to know you meeting was just kind of like oh yeah hi hi, and that was it. Yeah, no, but I think I think that even helps, like even if it's a short amount of time, because I'm also big on reading people's energy. You know, when you meet someone for oh, the first yeah, time, that's important. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't do that through a screen, even if you're videoing. Oh, video. OK, yeah, it's true. And um, what was it? The article thing on psychology or blog post on psychology today. I think they talked about impression management or something like the impression you get from someone online can be a bit of a challenge to forming a really good relationship. 
Yeah, of course, because everyone's trying to embellish and present their best selves online. So you're not really getting down to the core of what that person is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is why I could not deal with the online dating. Although, like, you know, some people have had tremendous success with online dating. I know some people who've gotten married from meeting someone online. Um, so I don't I really don't know how they manage that. But I think ultimately what happens with those situations is they end up having to meet the person in real life. Although there are people who do fall in love with someone online, like we've seen the show Catfish. It does happen. Some people mm-hmm. really just do end up falling in love with the, the the person they've met online and the persona that's presented online. Yeah. Well, what do you think about her, her ability to evolve to being more dependent on online relationships? Because we are human beings. So do you think it would be possible for us to to like not need as much physical contact in the future? Hmm. I mean, I think it's already happening that people are not having as much physical contact as before. Yeah, but do you think we can evolve to that? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that the evolution has already started. But do you think we could do it successfully? I personally don't think so. I think touching is still very important. Even though I have been mm-hmm. successful in maintaining some relationships online, I still think that um, those have also managed to uh, sustain themselves because intermittently we do see each other every once in a while. We do make an effort. Yes, and then you give me a hug. It's nice. (laughs) Yes, touching is important. People are social creatures. And yeah, people need to get out, meet people and have babies and stuff. So I don't think that it's going to be completely online. Yeah, you talked about that whole people needing to get out. Do we really? Do we really need to get out though? Because yeah, I know like... Some of the blog posts I was reading said, oh, yeah, or other things I've read in the past that, oh, yeah, millennials were getting too too, um, too comfortable staying at home and just engaging in our online communities, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, they say it makes you more stressed and all that, but I know sometimes I'm like, is it really a bad thing? Number one, I'm saving money, not going out. Number two, I'm finding all the things I like doing online. But you know what I think is really cool about going out? And this is coming from someone who loves being at home. But I will admit that the times when I do go out, you meet some random people, you have shared experiences. Like the time I went out with my friend Tina and we had the best time ever. And on our way home, we saw a fox running alongside our cab. It, it was just weird. <laughs> it was one of those things that would never have happened if we had just like decided to call each other at home, you know. So I feel like that's something that I'm going to remember for a really long time. Whereas I can't remember too many online conversations I've had with people that I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was just incredible or amazing. So I still think it's important to go out and also meet new people, be exposed to things that you might not even like. Because I feel like also with uh, just staying online, you're getting a feed for all the things that you like, you know, all the things you're interested in. Whereas there's a whole other world out there with things that need to be seen. Yeah, that's my my two cents on that. Yeah, that that, that was more than two, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was so weird seeing a fox that night. Anyway. mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm still questioning that, but yeah. (laughs) Right, we were not drunk. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right, all right. And I guess like from the Psychology Today blog, which sorry, it's my only like main source, but I thought it was pretty good. It covered a lot of bases I was thinking about. Another thing that maybe we could just have virtual relationships as a supplement, not replacing face-to-face relationships. Yeah. But I don't know if that balance can work out that way because like I know for some people online communities are really, really important. And especially with like virtual reality becoming more of an actual reality these days, I don't know, I just don't know how much we'll be able to sustain the real world compared to like the virtual world if it's becoming more real. I don't know. Like, I think maybe it's a generational thing. I mean, we're both millennials, but maybe it's just an age difference thing. Um, But I kind of feel like the older and wiser you get, the more you appreciate shared in real life experiences. Maybe you understand what I mean when you're 30. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'm serious. And also, like, you'll find that your number of friends will dwindle as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it does. It's just like I told you, my Facebook's just a net balance all the time. Oh, jeez. Got to do something about that. But in any case, we're running out of time. So to the listeners, send us an email to sassyandozsos at gmail.com. Let us know if you think that your online friends are your real friends or if you are more old school and prefer to get out and see the world. Okay, so up next. <laughs> what? You can't end it as if old school people are the only ones who like to get out and see the world. That's how we're ending it. <laughs> All right, up Bye. next. <laughs> Minority Spotlight. And it's now time for Minority Spotlight. Yep, we caught up with Colleen Chifamba, an old high school friend of ours, as well as the author of the fantastic blog called Life Through the Disability Lens. We hope you enjoyed this interview. Today, Chiru and I are hanging out with Colleen Chifamba, fellow Zimbabwean and blogger extraordinaire. Colleen is the author of the Life Through the Disability Lens blog. She was awarded the Excellence in Community Disability Advocacy Award at the AfroShine Australia Awards. She was also nominated for a Ziwa Blogger of the Year Award, and she's been featured on Oz African TV as well as the BBC. Quite the resume. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Colleen. Thank you guys for having me. How are you doing? Good, a bit tired, but I'm good. Okay. So, yeah, just to kick off this interview, can you tell us how long have you been blogging? Three and a half years now. Yeah, I started mm-hmm. in July of 2013. And uh, so why did you start your blog? Because I got frustrated that no one understood what I was going through. And every time I tried to talk to people about what I was going through, um, friends would just sort of shut me down and say, oh, no, don't be a victim. Oh, don't, you know, don't feel like a victim. And then I realized, when, hang on, I can actually start a blog and create my own safe space where I can just be real and just be open about what I'm going through or what I experience daily. Mm-hmm. So that really was the reason behind me starting the blog. And you didn't feel like exposed. Did you feel nervous at all about putting yourself out there online? Oh, yes, I did. I only actually ever went public with a blog last year. Oh, really? <laughs> so, 
um, yeah, only ever. Well, by going public, I mean posted it on Facebook. Yeah. But yeah, no one knew. Well, not entirely no one knew, but there were a few people who knew. But yeah, only ever posted it on Facebook last year. It was, I think initially it was because some of the comments that friends were leaving on the blog threw me off. Um, a lot of the comments were like, oh, you're so inspiring. You're my inspiration. And I'm like, mm, no, that's not why I'm doing this. I mm. don't want to be seen as an inspiration. So yeah, because of comments like that, that really threw me off. And I just, yeah, for two years, just blogged, um, in, in secret, in secret <laughs> so to say, yeah. Um, so you've been getting quite a bit of media coverage since you started your blog. Did you anticipate that you'd get this attention? Funny <laughs> <laughs> enough, it all happened this year, to be honest. All of it happened this year. I've never had yeah. any media attention prior to 2016. And the funny thing is, everyone, when they contact me, they just say, oh, we found your blog on Google when we just typed in certain words and your blog yeah. came up. And I'm yeah, like, your blog is very good search engine optimization oh, really? <laughs> and here's the say. thing i don't even do anything to be honest <laughs> i don't even know how to you know optimize your searches or whatever no i just okay. log on to wordpress type what i type and log out that's it so i never anticipated to be honest mm, yeah so yeah. so why do you think your blog has resonated with so many people Oh, that's a very good question. I never thought of it but i guess the number one comment that i keep getting from people is I have, um, through my blog posts, changed people's perception of disability and challenged their perceptions of disability. Um, a lot of the times people leave comments like, oh, I've never thought of that. So, for example, one post I did last year, um, it was titled, Not Having a Disability is a Privilege. And someone replied, um, commented, said, oh, wow, I never looked at it that way. Um, when I look, think of privilege, I think of gender or um, white privilege. I never looked at me not having a disability as a privilege. So I guess a lot of people are starting to see just how much privilege they have by just not having a disability. And um, they thank my blog for that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when I read it, that's what it's like. I, I read things and I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Like when you mentioned like going grocery shopping and like yeah. the way the shelves are structured and stuff like that, I was like, oh. I don't know why I've never thought of that, like, at all. Like, yeah, mm. so it's really, like, open, like, expanded, like, what I see. You're thinking, yeah, yeah. life through the disability lens. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bazinga. Nice. Well done, Kathy. <laughs> I mean, Christine. <laughs> okay, yeah, so just as a final question, we like to find out what people want to do in the future. So what's next for you? Oh, whoa. Um, I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> I really want to make a documentary. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. SPS, if you're listening. ABC. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, um, yeah, waiting on friends and stuff to get started on that. So the blog is sort of like a stepping stone to the next thing, which, well, the bigger thing, which is I really want to start my own um, non-for-profit organization for children with disabilities back home. So I just didn't want to be out of the blue, just start a 
non-for-profit um, mm-hmm. organization like everyone does. Uh, what I genuinely wanted to do was to build, not necessarily a brand, but, you know, put myself out there. And I think it gives you currency when you then want to do something. People can easily, you know, support and be like, oh, we know this person. They've been doing A, B, C, D, you know, in the background. So I feel like when I then get to that next step, when I'm like, oh, okay, I want to start this, you know, mm-hmm. can people donate? People are like, oh, okay, we, we know this person. They've been doing, they've got history. They've been doing this for so many years and whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess those are the two next steps. When that will happen, I don't know. But, yeah, there's documentary and... um And the non-for-profit. Yeah, oh, actually, and oh, Mm. Oh, two more things actually. Well, at the moment, a friend and I are working on an ebook. We're hoping to release it last week on the International Day of People with Disabilities, but yeah, life got in the way. But basically, it will showcase different lives of people with disabilities in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. We're moving away from the narrative of all oh, people with disabilities back home are poor. They've got nothing. They're not doing anything. So we're just showing a, an alternative. Um, narrative and say no actually no so we're profiling people who are running their own businesses pouring into farming um music so it's yeah and then um another ebook that i want to do would just be from african women with disabilities perspective because i feel like well the narrative of african women is centralized on able-bodied women and no one ever talks about disabled women. So I would like to do a, another ebook just showcasing and letting African women with disabilities tell their stories. So I guess those four things are the next step to the blog. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, good luck with all of that. Thank and we you will very be much. watching. Yeah. Yeah. Stalking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please do stalk. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So listeners, make sure you check out Colleen's blog. It's life through the disability lens.com. And that's a wrap for today's show. Please hit the subscribe button in iTunes and leave us a five star rating. As always, you can find us on social media Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Just search for SOS in Oz. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye. bye.